and welcome to Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. I am Amanda Lauren, and I am with my co-host, Allie Levine. Hey, hey, hey. And we are on the line with second-time guests, because we've been doing this for a year, and our first-time guests are doing so many awesome things that we have mm-hmm. to have them back. Yeah. Karamaki. Woo! Woo! Hey, guys. So excited hey. to be back. We are so happy to have you. You have a new book called Wild Habits. I love the title. And by the way, like they don't, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but the cover is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. It's such a great shot of Beautiful. you. Oh, thank you. You guys are so sweet. So tell us about, so tell us about this book, how it came about, etc. Sure. So my first book, Cured by Nature, which we talked about on our podcast last time, um, was more the why of my journey. So, you know, I came off 14 pharmaceuticals, cold turkey in 2011, many of which I'd been on for over half my life. And, you know, my first book kind of outlines that journey. My second book does as well. My first book really goes through it. And and I ended up replacing all these drugs I used to take with natural remedies um, and, you know, everybody really loved the first book, but um, when people started to really try to incorporate what I had talked about into their lives, I think the number one question I started to get asked from people was like, this is great, you know, it works short term, but like, I have a really hard time staying on track or staying on track long term. Like, how have you been doing this for the last you know, seven years. And so writing this book was answering the how. So I outlined the method that I use to stay drug-free, to stay sober, to move across the country, to start my business, to create a whole new tribe of friends, like to make my mentors my friends. I mean, um, to take my health back, to fix relationships with my family. Like this book is the how. That's so that's amazing. you didn't read your first book but i have to tell you reading the the first few chapters of of this book it does outline Mm -hmm. part of your story and it's just like oh my gosh like what you went through is just you know because you had told us on the podcast but then when you read it on paper you're just like it's a lot more intense yeah like sherry if for people who did not listen to the first uh podcast with you can you just do sort of a short summary of what your of what your story is yeah totally so I was born on drugs um my mom did drugs when she was pregnant with me up until her trip to the hospital where she you know snorted a few lines of coke and then told the doctors when she got there like I just snorted a few lines of coke and I don't know my water broke I don't know what you want to do from here so I was born on drugs. I went to rehab for in NICU for two weeks after I was born. Um, and then my mother um, continued to do drugs throughout my childhood. She got into heroin when I was five and then overdosed in front of me when I was six. Um, by the time I was seven, my grandparents got custody of me as I lived with them from the age of seven to when I was a teenager. And then at 10, my mom got sober and came to live with us. Um, for what was supposed to be a pretty short period of time, but ended up being almost two years. And then my mom relapsed in front of me again. And about a month and a half after that, right after I turned 13, um, I got sent to a child psychiatrist and put on my first drug, which was a drug called lithium. 
And then the next year I got put on another drug for ADD and then I got switched from lithium to a drug called Lamictal. And then I got diagnosed with arthritis and put on pain medication and anti-anxiety medication and antidepressants and acne medication and birth control and fibromyalgia medication. And you need, I mean, I was on everything you can basically prescribe somebody. And then um, by the time I was at uh, 24, I was on 14 different drugs. Um, I was on 12 for a while, not functioning very well. Um, and then my best friend committed suicide in January of 2011. And that put me on the triumphant 14, which was Valium and Xanax on top of all the drugs I was already taking. And then I kind of lost my mind and became suicidal. And, and that suicide attempt, which didn't work, um, really led me to the conclusion that I, I wanted my life back. Like, I didn't want to die. I wanted to live the best, most amazing life I could possibly think of. And and if I wanted to do that, I probably shouldn't be on 14 different drugs. And so that's what solidified my initial decision to come off my drugs cold turkey, which I do not recommend at all. Um, and then I went through withdrawal for like three years. Um, and I used the method, the wild method that I outlined in the new book, really to do all the steps necessary to, you know, do everything I've outlined and then some to write these books, to start companies, to live, you know, on my own, to move across the country, to make these big self-loving decisions that I kind of had no guarantee were going to have a payoff, but just like, I mean, I knew what I had been doing for so long wasn't working, so it couldn't hurt me to attempt to do you know, my wildest dreams. It's so important that you say that right now and that you're really honest because I just think that there's just with the news the past few weeks, I don't know yeah. about you, but I have felt overwhelmingly dark and I feel like I'm not the only one. No, you're not. You are definitely not. <laughs> what is that about? It is just, I don't know. I just feel like there's... Like I said, Mercury is not in retrograde, but like, I don't know, there has just been something so weird in the air. And it's so, it's just like, it's just so shocking to me. Um, Although, you know, it's just, it can be so overwhelming. So how do you, because, you know, how do you pull yourself when you're on that many drugs, how do you like pull yourself out of it and create a new life? Cause I think sometimes people are just so fogged by either drugs or depression or just like, and you, when did all of this happen? Like how many years ago? I can't remember. This happened in 2011. So just over in March of 2011. So just over seven, seven years and two months ago. You know, seven um, years ago, our lives were ruled by the internet, but certainly not to the extent <laughs> now. Very true. How, how do you do that? How do you just, with that fog, just learn to make it lift and develop those those changes? You know, I'm glad you point out the fact that, because I think a lot of people, and I don't know... It's because I think it's hard to grasp the fact that when I came to this conclusion, right, on 14 different drugs, it wasn't like I got sober and then decided to change my life. Like, I came to the conclusion that I was doing something wrong while I was on the drugs, which 
you know, a lot of people I think don't realize, but also we all, this is not my first time trying to come off my drugs. First of all, like, I think you kind of know when something is off and, and that's part of the method, right? So wild is an acronym and willingness is the first step. And so when you ask how you make these changes, I mean, step number one, you have to be willing to acknowledge that something's not working. So many I've talked to so many people and I've had these people, you know, formally as friends for a long time, the kind of people who really just don't believe that you can change, right? Like you're always that part. Yeah, I had friends who would be like, you know, Tara, you know me, I'm the same person I was when we met. And it was like, when we met 15 years ago, like, how are you the same person? Like we have to be changing and growing, especially at this point in our lives. Right. So um, if you're the same person you were, Something really needs to change. I don't care how old you are. Um, but I think just being willing to recognize that whatever we're doing in that moment is not working. And, and this is a, a, it's a journey, right? It's not a destination. It's not going to be one day you wake up and you're done with self-improvement. So this applies to everyone. I mean, we're not, none of us are a hundred percent doing like every single thing we should be doing to live our greatest lives, you know, there's always room for improvement, which is a wonderful thing because the more you choose to focus on self-improvement, like the easier it becomes because it's a practice and every time you do it and it has, and it reaps these rewards for you, like it's reinforcing to your body that this is what you should be doing. And so the rest of the method, you know, willingness is step one. You have to be willing to recognize that something needs to change. And then you need to have the intuition to figure out what that change is. Like maybe you don't need to come off all your drugs. I'm not saying everybody should do the same thing that I did. That's for sure. But if you feel really fogged down, um, using your intuition to figure out why, when did this start? What changed? Who's in my life now that maybe wasn't in my life a few weeks ago? Or who's not in my life who used to be in my life who like you know, brings me happiness. And then the L stands for love, like love, the self-love to actually, once you've recognized what you need to do next, to actually get up every day and do it. Cause that's a self-loving action. Every time we do something for ourselves, that's self-love. And then the D stands for discipline. We just need to get up and do that every single day over and over again until it becomes a new habit. Absolutely. That's so it's so important. It's so hard though to develop the or to stick with something. Like I've really been trying to establish a meditation practice for a few weeks now, and I used to meditate a lot, but I've just been going through. I don't know. Like I've just had a hard few months, and um, yeah. I mean, good stuff happened, but like it's just been challenging. And so I'm like, I really yeah. feel like I need to meditate, and like, I swear to God, I just like forget to do it. <laughs> I don't know why I like I I had to have an MRI last you know last Friday because I had a back injury and I'm like I'm an opportunity to meditate and I didn't people are like how was the MRI I'm like I don't know I meditated the whole time I transcended like Tuesday I'm sitting at home doing nothing totally just slips my mind you know so you how do you create those things how do you stay on track um, you know, coming back to the method every single day, I think is really a, an essential part of the practice. And then I have a lot of prompts in the book too, of like, you know, you do what's important to you, right? So there's like a million things you're probably doing in the meantime, not meditating that are, it's not because they're more important to you or you don't want to be meditating. It's just, 
you're doing them likely out of habit. You haven't made the meditation habit a habit yet, or else you would just do it and it would be kind of unconscious, right? So we're doing most of the things we're doing every day pretty unconsciously. And then we get to the end of the day and we're like, where the hell did the day go? Well, you gave your power away all day long. I'm not saying you, you know, in this scenario, but like in general, <laughs> and in general, when we, when we've come to the end of the day and we didn't check off what we meant to check off on our to-do list or take those self-loving actions or take a bath or take a walk or, or spend time with our family or call, you know, that one friend we know puts us in a good mood. Like we kind of lost that day and there's that extra disappointment not only did we not do it but it's like we didn't start making it a practice and a habit so I would say just once you start doing it I mean it it only takes 21 days to completely change a habit so if you do it every day for less than a month you don't have to think about doing it anymore it's already something that's going to become ingrained in you and likely when you're doing it, you'll be replacing doing something that's not serving you, whatever that thing is that you were doing, you know, in the meantime. Absolutely. It's so true. And it's true. Like you do have to find different prompts and you have to find different ways to stay focused on that. And I agree with you when you say you give away your power. It's like, I never really truly realized that and knew that about myself until after having Amelia, because now like my focus and my priority is her first and everything else second and I never realized how much more I actually am prioritizing in a good way and how much more I'm focused from being a mom because I don't have a choice to just sit there and just not get shit done because things are going to continue to happen and she's going to continue to need me and I need to get my own things done as well and whereas before I was just maybe not always paying attention or, you know, I wasn't getting something done as quickly or I was letting someone else negatively affect me. And then it would take my whole day and drain me. And now I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. That energy has gone moving on. Right. (laughs) No. And it's so true. Yeah. I'm learning that from being a new mom. That's amazing. It's so funny too, because I was talking with someone earlier today and, um, and I said the same thing about why I'm not a mom yet is that I, I, I feel like my service is elsewhere right now. And I know for a fact, once I have a baby, that's where all of my time and attention is going to go. And like, I want to serve other people first, at least to the degree where I feel like once I bring another human into the world and all my time and attention goes there, I'm not disappointed in myself for taking it away from other people who may need it. That's just where I feel like my place is on earth right now. You know what I mean? But I feel like so many people don't understand that when they have a baby that there's, you have no choice. You're either, either your priorities shift or you're not probably meant to be a parent. Because, um, and I had a parent who was not meant to be a parent. So I understand not everyone's cut out for it, but like, no, it's true. When you have a kid, it should be, that's it. Your life is all about making sure that that human being that you brought into the world who PS, no one else is ever going to love as much as you or your husband. You know what I mean? Like that's, um, you might as well be the one to make sure that everything goes right for them for the rest of your life but that's a humongous responsibility and I admire every parent on this earth for taking it on because I have two dogs and I know just from having two dogs like how I'm going to be as a parent and I don't I like barely leave the house as it is so do you ever get like I mean it's I have something and like my mom is awesome but like I'll tell you and she'll tell you my mom is (laughs) the most maternal woman like to to be honest with 
Like, like that's just not like who she, and, but she's so amazing in so many other ways. And it yeah. drives me a little bit crazy. Cause it's like, okay, can you just be like a mommy mom for once? And it's, <laughs> I, I always have that fear of like, Oh my God, is my kid not going to like about me? What I don't like about my mom. Do you ever have that? And obviously like you are as a person, you know, doing, doing a better job, you know, than, than your mother did. But do, do you ever worry? Does that hold you back from being a parent? I know that's sort of a deep question, but, you know, you put it out there in your book. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, I don't think, honestly, I think, I honestly believe the only thing holding me back from being a parent right now is, is one where I'm at, like, my engagement just ended a few months ago. So uh, anyone, like, I'm just not, if I was in a relationship, I wouldn't be in a place to have a child with someone right now anyway but that aside like it's I'm not afraid of being a shitty parent I'm afraid because I know I'm gonna love my kids so much that that's gonna be my whole life (laughs) and like I just know how I am with the things that I love and and I'm sure you know when I'm I I try not to worry about things until they come so if you know when my kid is of a certain age and I find myself maybe doing things that I hated when my mom did, I'll find that time to self-reflect. But I don't think that's what's holding me back from having kids. I think it's just, I really do. I have enough friends who have kids that I really think I understand what having a kid is a little more than like a lot of people who get into it. And I'm not just, I'm just not in a position right now to really even think about it. Like even thinking about getting another dog or something is like, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> I think I have enough living things to be responsible for and love at the moment. But, um, but definitely like it did as a teenager, I used to definitely agonize parts of my mother that I saw in myself and being afraid of being like a crappy mom or a, a not maternal mom. But I, I think I have a lot more maternal instincts than, uh, like anyone else in my family. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll be fine. No, that's great. And good for you. And it's true. I mean, you know, it, it takes a lot. I mean, I knew it was going to take a lot out of me, but like when you actually go through it, like you just have no idea how much it actually takes out of you. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I mean, love, like, you know, loving something is a lot of energy and, and time. And like, I would just want to sit there and stare at my kid for the rest of its, like, my life. You know what I mean? Like, I just wouldn't want, I know I wouldn't want to do anything. I have so much to do and I know like that's why I applaud moms who like have kids and still like you who like still get shit done and are hustling and stuff because I would just probably check out from the world for the next like 10 years and just like stare at my child like I don't know I don't think I'd be able to do anything else so I honestly applaud you it's it's incredible it's it takes like so much and the more the more honest birth stories I hear and honest mom stories I hear, it's just, I really, I applaud it more and more. That's why I love that way more than the curated stuff. Cause I'm like, I want to know like how much these women are overcoming to raise kids and run businesses and be camera ready. And like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> how? I don't they understand. They have help because I was, um, yeah. not all moms. <laughs> no, but like, I think that like, it really does take a village because you just yeah. like you just you you can't um I was taught do you know who the Novagrats are they're these um interior designers and they have a furniture line I don't know if you're familiar with them because it's no, just like a different world um 
I was interviewing them. I've, I've been writing about them, and they had this furniture-like long event at Fred Siegel, and then I went to the after party for their home. And they had mm-hmm. which they raised up until, like, four years ago in New York City, okay? And <laughs> I was like, how is it even? And the mom is, they're gorgeous. The children are gorgeous. They're, they're like, the most beautiful family I've literally ever seen in my life. And they're just, like, they just have a show called um, Nine by Design um, on okay. TV. And they oh, had, like they had another show. one on a Bravo. And, like... <sighs> I was just like, how do they, how does she, just like, I, I couldn't even speak. I'm like, oh, she, she's help. I'm like, yep. It takes, it takes help. And sometimes help is like a babysitter you hire. And like, like, that's what I think. I think just people or family members, but. Yeah. I just, and I live 3,000 miles away from my family. How the hell am I going to have a baby? I'm going to have to pay for every second of childcare. Like, yeah, totally. I mean, that you need either a lot of money or a lot of family members who really love you. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, I was going to say to Amanda, I'm like, as she's saying, like, I think I'm like, I'm living it as a new mom. And it's like, (laughs) you know, it's fine. One kid, not seven. (laughs) But you know, it's like, I am so lucky and blessed that like my mom and dad came out here before Amelia was born. And then my mother-in-law came out when Amelia was born. And then my mother-in-law is still here. My mom was here for two months. My mother-in-law has been here for almost a month. And I've had that help to transition me into being like, you know, a new mom and functioning and being able to, you know, handle everything because it's, you know, whether you like have help, you know, for a day or you have help for a week, whatever it is, like it's still help. And you don't realize in the beginning, especially because they're so little and they're so needy, they just need you really can't survive without you. So it's like, Uh -uh. you're just constantly giving to them. And you don't realize Mm -hmm. how tired you're going to be. You don't realize like how consuming it's going to be, how emotional, how mentally, physically. I mean, it's just like checks every box. Unbelievably. Never mind the fact that you just gave birth. Exactly. That does to your body and your hormones and like your self-esteem. And like, I can't even, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I really, that's why when I say I applaud it and it's not that I don't want to do it, it's that I really honestly feel like I have a realistic view of what it is more so than people who kind of paint this picture that it's just like, oh, you pop out a kid and then you like are fine. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and I appreciate you saying that too, because like, I think that's why I wanted to be really honest when I did, you know, the people interview, like, you know, when they came to me to speak about my C-section, because it was like, not only was it so unexpected and so hard, but the recovery was hard. Like, I could barely get out of bed for the first three weeks. I was so tired and so exhausted and, and just like in pain and didn't feel like myself. And like, it felt like a, like a bus hit me, you know, and it was just yeah. like, crap, this is not what I was expecting at all. And you're just kind yeah. of like rest and being like our, our kind of women they're like always on the go always like doing things like not being able to do anything but like basically breastfeed and just lay there I was like oh my god what the hell is going on and it was yeah for me you know and it was something I had to like deal with mentally and physically and have you know the help of my mother-in-law coming up and taking the baby and then saying what do you need to eat and you know do you still need water and what can I help you with and you know do you need help getting out of bed like you just don't even think about 
those things that you might need help with. And so it's so true. Like it does take a village and like, whether it be helping you in the beginning or helping you going through it, or just one day when, you know, you're like, if I'm going to go style someone, like I've already looked into like some of my assistants are going to be like mommy helpers. And it's like, it's true. Mm-hmm. You really do need that help because you can't do it all. Just like you can't do it all when it comes to like your own business. Of course, like I'm not saying you can't do it all and like, you know, aspire to everything and get to everything. Of course you can, but not all in one day and not all in, you know, one minute. And so it's like, if you really want to make things happen all at once, you need to have that help. And it's really important to know that it's okay to have that help. I like, I really love everything you just said. And I really like to think like in business about hiring help is like you maybe in the beginning you have time to do it all yourself. I like to think about it as like building a house, right? Like maybe you can build the house yourself, but you want to think by the time you've built that mansion, your ass is not going to have time to clean it. So you're still going to have to hire someone to clean up after you once you've built everything. And that's kind of how I feel like it is running a business. Like in the beginning, you're going to have the time and stuff to build things up and maybe do a little bit of everything yourself. But once that business is actually successful and and running on a daily basis, like you're going to need help. And if you refuse help, you're going to just be struggling. You're going to be wondering why you're not as successful as other people. It's because they have help and you don't like, that's really the only difference. Like I know my friends who are drowning. I'm just like, just hire somebody, hire an intern and see how much easier your life gets. And then once you can afford to pay somebody because you've had an intern for a month, like, pay them. You know, it's not, it's, it makes life so much easier once you accept that nobody does this alone. You're right. I I love that you said that because it's so true. And it's, it's again, like you said, giving into it and giving into yourself and giving into knowing it's okay to want that help. And I'm again, still dealing with that. Like I'm giving off, you know, like styling jobs. Like I'm still overseeing them. I'm still creatively involved, but I'm not going to set for every job because I can't because I'm a million. Like, yeah, but, you know, and you want to be there. It's the early days, you know. Like you're never going to want to be around her probably more than you do right now. You know, it's like just no, it's so enjoy true. her while she's little. Right. Last night I had a music video and I was telling Amanda, like I had a really hard time because I had to send like my junior stylist out, but that's why I train them. That's like what I've been preparing for is being a mom is like Mm -hmm. expanding my empire and having people go for me and be a great representative to my brand and do the job there, you know, that I would normally do because, you know, they're there from, you know, six at night to two in the morning. And those days for me, for the most part right now are over. And that was like, you're done. You know, know, and that was really hard for me at first to accept. But like you just said, like, I have to look at it and be like, this is the time I'm only going to have with her and it's going to be a fleeting moment and it's going to go so quickly. And this is why I hired help. And this is why like I'm doing what I'm doing. But again, you have to like almost like reassure yourself, like it's okay to have help and you're doing the right thing. And also it could be the other way around, right? Like most people have to pay someone to take care of their kid and go to work, not pay someone to go to work for them and stay home with their kid. Like, and that's where I'm trying to get with like, instead of paying my assistant to walk my dogs, I want to train my assistant to do something that I can do so that I can go spend time with my dogs, you know, and like just kind of reverse the situation. Cause right now I'm just kind of like, Oh, I clearly haven't trained her to do enough. If someone else is spending time with my loved ones and I'm paying them to do it, you know what I mean? Like it's just, but, um, it's just a mentality shift. And I feel like a lot of moms need to feel that way of like, if don't feel guilty about prioritizing your needs, you know, whatever that looks like, even if it looks like spending time away from your kid, like my girl who does my lashes, she's amazing. She just gave birth. 
and I had a last appointment the day after she gave birth and she couldn't be there, of course. But she called me afterwards to make sure everything went well and, like, checking in on me. And I was like, you gave birth less than 24 hours ago. Like, who are you? Why are you calling me right now? Like, how pain medicine are you on that you think that this is, like, something you should be doing after you birthed your first child? Like, stop working. I love you, but stop working. No, and I love that. And it's, it's true. You like kind of yeah. like clean yourself and don't realize same with me. Like I was calling these managers for the music video and they're like, uh, don't you take care of your baby? And I'm like, yes, but I want to make sure that this went smoothly and this <laughs> happened and this, and they're like, yes, okay. Everything's great. I would have called you if it was a problem. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then like to hang up, but I'm like, okay, but I wanted to make sure it was all okay. But it's true. You like, you know, you get so invested. It's hard to let go. So I understand. Yeah. Your- but it's really good of you. And your business well. will always be your first baby. So yes, <laughs> Always. No, it's, I was actually saying, you know, to Allie, even like just as like a person, sometimes you just need help. Like sometimes Mm. you need to have someone else, you know, around to to do things for you. Because I had an intern last summer and she went back to school and she got a full-time job. And I'm like, I have just been so overwhelmed lately where I'm just like, I I can't even keep up with like my emails. And yeah. I, think I need to bring on another and it's really hard though to train interns. Oh, that's so that's hard. Hard. it's like I've lost I've lost patience to train that's that's the problem. Yeah, it's like a catch twenty two. So hard to find good help these days. No, it really is. And I would what I would do, how I found the best help is people who and they're out there, I would just kind of go through your brain Rolodex of who's reached out and asked if they can help you. That's how I found the best help is not looking outside but remembering wait, who's already offered to help me in the past? And then going back and asking if they still can, you know, because likely if you own a business, someone at some point has been like, can I shadow you? Or how does this work? Or like, do you need help with this? And that's how I found my assistant who's amazing and lives like three blocks away, which is the most perfect thing ever. And how I recently found help for a book launch and just how I found everybody is just people who've reached out to me first. Um, cause they're the ones who are genuinely interested and then you don't have to do the screening process of like, are they crazy? <laughs> you know, that's no, a big one too. <laughs> it's, hard, it's so funny cause I ended up, I was looking through my computer and I found someone's resume who had applied like last year. And I'm like, I should really just like, I, I should just see if she still wants to do something, even though she yeah. was I mean, I do have, I do have a proofreader <laughs> now so that, that helped Good. just because, um, I'm writing for Forbes and I posted the site directly and I'm awful at proofreading. So I do have someone that proofreads and she proofreads other things for me as well. Um, yeah, like it's, I, I needed to, I, it's just like, I don't know, just sometimes you get so lucky that you have so many good things, but yet we all have 24 hours in a day. That's right. And yeah. that's the great equalizer. Like, and now I think I have like 10. <laughs> and and <laughs> Allie, 10 hours. Hour. I have 10, but the rest of us have 24. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what? So after the success of your first book, how did you end up choosing what you were going to write about for the second one? I really just wanted to give people the tools. Like I see this book as just another life hack, you know, of like, okay, here's how you can get over literally anything in your life. Like, I mean, I have examples in the book of people like saving, 
you know, saving their relationships, um, saving their businesses, starting businesses, getting over childhood trauma. Like there's so many uh, taking, you know, taking better care of their health, taking better care of their eating habits. Like there's so many things you can apply the method to, um, that that's really just what inspired me to write the book is the more people I worked with, um, personally and professionally over, you know, since after the first book came out and even before the first book came out. So, um, you know, in the, in the year, the year and a half or so it was being edited, like I was working through this method with people as well. So it's been over like four or five years. I've seen this really work and affect so many people's lives that I felt like I didn't have another choice but to share it because it was so profoundly effective in so many different areas that I know it can help so many people that I, I didn't you know I wanted to give people another um alternative to take their life back that's that's amazing that's really amazing also so you have this method you have the wild method in here and I know so what else what else do you talk about in this book um you have your favorite. I kind of like that you have your favorites in here, like the medicine part. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Looking at the back right now. Um, mm-hmm. This is sort of like a how to be your own taramaki guide. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, there's so much in here. Like it, it's, and all my books are kind of like this, where it's like, there's a lot of science and there's a lot of like practicality. And then there's just a lot of like, here's your alternative. Like here's a list of, you know, here's tips for taking prescription drugs. If you choose to take prescription drugs, here's tips for coming off prescription drugs. Here's natural alternatives to painkillers. Should you choose to use those? Here's, you know, common side effects of painkillers. Like what are your favorite natural alternatives to painkillers? Because this is the first day I haven't taken Norco in like a week. I had, um, I don't know if you saw in the, I, in the email, I think, I think Allie wrote it. I've just sort of been in like a fog over yeah, this, I remember but I, I, I had a back injury that got so bad. I lost complete control of my body and ended up at Cedars for two days. So yeah. what do you, and are it's you so, okay? Um, I'll know on, I'll, I mean, like I can walk now, so that's good. And I got She's over here and I'm, I'm still, I'm still in pain. It's still like very stressful, but I should know what's going on, um, by Thursday. But the thing is they like give oh. you, so I'm in the emergency room and I feel like you'll appreciate this story. And they're like, they, I was like, I, I went there in an ambulance. I cannot walk. I cannot move my own body. And they're like, oh, we see that you're not an emergency room abuser because you were last here seven years ago for dehydration. And I'm like, I, I just um. went screaming. And like, they gave me a shot. It was so funny because like they gave me a shot of morphine and Valium, which are two things you're never supposed to combine. But at that point I was just like, Okay, like I was just so uncomfortable. I'm just give me anything, but it's, yeah. it's nuts the way it is, and it's like you know they give you Norco and they give you this stuff, or they don't even. They're like, do you want an ambient to sleep? And I'm like, I would just really like a Vicodin and no Norco because I feel like that works better for my body, and they just don't. Mm-hmm. They just, they just don't listen. And I'm just, I was saying to my husband, I'm like, I'm really scared because like, one, I can't take Norco forever because my tolerance was up after two days of taking it. And at a certain point, like you can't, you know, 
like pain exists and I, and I deal with it. So I'm, and so I'm curious to know, and I, I think that obviously like I'll have a better grip when the doctor gives me a diagnosis, but what are your favorite sort of natural painkillers? Cause I think we can all relate to that, especially during the summer. Dude, totally. So devil's claw is actually incredible for pain management. It's like one of my personal staples. It can be used for arthritis, muscle pain, back pain, tendonitis, chest pain, heartburn, migraines. It's also used, like they've used it for childbirth, like menstrual problems, PMDD, like kidney and bladder disease. Yeah, they used to give it for women who were like about to give birth. So it's been proven to work just as well as like NSAIDs. And um, even in random double-blind parallel group studies, so pain management um, of all patients, like, always indicates that they experience benefits that were equivalent to those of narcotic drugs, which I find really interesting. Like, I don't know why that's not just kind of given as the first alternative. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, like, if you're looking for something really – I always use – a combination of California poppy, which is like a natural painkiller that's also a nerve relaxer and a sedative and like an antispasmatic. Um, and it's because it tends to be pretty strong. And then if you still need something else, I put skull cap on top of that, which not only relieves like nervous tension, so it's great for anxiety, but it's also like a really powerful painkiller and antispasmatic. So if you have like muscle spasms or, um, bad muscle pain, it really helps with that too. And then it also is shown to help like muscle tension and skeletal tension. So if I ever sleep funny and like my neck hurts, I'll just take a bunch of skull caps throughout the day. And normally by the end of the day, I can like move again. Wow. So those are some of my faves. And then just as an alternative to like aspirin, because so many people don't realize that aspirin in children is specifically associated with the risk of Rice syndrome. And so the symptoms of Rice syndrome come on really quickly. And like children who are given aspirin are likely given aspirin because they already have a headache or a flu. So the first symptoms of Rye syndrome may not raise alarms because they're very sim- similar to the first symptoms of the flu. So, but if you don't catch the first symptoms, like it can cause brain swelling and the child can die within like a day or two of just because they're allergic to aspirin. Um, and willow bark is completely safe and natural alternative. That's actually aspirin's natural derivative. So they even have really similar, um, chemical names, but it's totally safe for children and teenagers. And I even give it to my dogs and stuff if they've got little aches and pains. Oh, yeah. I love CBD. Yeah, CBD. I love CBD. Can we talk about CBD too for a second? It's not in my books yet, although it will be definitely in the next book because I'm just a huge, huge lover and proponent of of cannabis and CBD specifically. But like, I have like so many teas and tinctures and and ways to take it because it's just so wonderful for you. And I feel like um, if you can take it, you should definitely try it because it's side effect free and just kind of takes the pain away. What do you, that's so funny that you say that. Cause I feel like people are now, well, it's legal in all 50 States. I believe. I think so. Oh. I, I think it is. Um, and it's, it's so funny because like, it's people or people think it's pot or like whatever. And it, well, I mean like mm-hmm. living in California, it's legal here. So it's not <laughs> yeah. really 
I mean, which it should be. I mean, really, it should be everywhere. And I think we all I know. I mean, it's it's just like this is insane at this point. And the way they they've done it, you know, it's not like there's a weed store on every other on every other block. And you know, it's no, we've got apps for that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we do though. What? <laughs> there's some great apps. I said no, you don't need a weed store. You've got apps for that now. That's exactly. so. I know everyone is talking. You know what? I haven't done delivery yet. I haven't either. Oh my god, you got to use ease. It's amazing. They've got all kinds of choices and deals and sales and pens and CBD. They have a whole section of amazing CBD vapes and edibles and tinctures and it's incredible. Is it called Ease, E A Z E. You go to eaze.com. Yeah. It's like uh yeah, they just deliver it right to your house. It's incredible. I'm <laughs> like, what I'm what year is it? Where what planet am I on? <laughs> like, well, you know what though? No, but you know, it's so much fun though to go. Like, I still find going to the weed store really fun. Like, I hasn't worn off yet, and like maybe <laughs> it maybe it should, but it just it just hasn't. Like when like. Well, I can say it because my my uh, father in law did post it on social media, but he was like so excited to go, like as like a tourist. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> he was like, he's like, let's go, and we were so we go to MedMen, and I I usually go to MedMen, which actually wait, do you want to hear something crazy? They sponsor the Lady Gang podcast. I don't know if what? you listen. They sponsor, I've heard them sponsor a few episodes, but Jack is the only one that does the ad. Cause I think that, you know, for Kelsey and Becca, it might be a little bit more controversial. <laughs> so, but even though, like Becca does. I mean, say, Jack has like half her stuff is like half her shirts are like weed reference shirts. So I hope everyone yeah. knows she probably smokes weed. <laughs> She she doesn't really care, but like it's just really funny how it's just so normal here. But I do get really I do enjoy going to the store and like this is so cool, like my, this is amazing. And I was talking to my husband and I'm like, did you think like when we were in high school and you had to like get weed from the stupid guy and like this the call and is he there and is he not there? You have to meet him. You have to meet someone. I'll never forget the first time. Like, I was like an adult at this point, and the person that I was with is like, Oh, we have to go to this guy's car. I'm like, He doesn't come up to the apartment? What is wrong with him? Like, how how good is could this be? He doesn't seem to have very good. Like, what a terrible weed dealer. And so Yeah, it's it's now like it's okay. Like we're all, we're all there. Men well, men for New York too. That they um, but but they you have to in New York you have to have cancer or AIDS. But someone I met this weekend has bipolar and got a prescription in New York for that. So yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, wow. So, yeah, CBD. Do you think CBD, like, we have to talk about this. So do you think this is, like, the cure-all? Like, do you think we're Yeah, I do. I've been telling people this for, like, seven years. I don't know what I would have done without cannabis, like, when I was going through withdrawal, honestly. Like, I'm not saying I'm, like, a huge stoner or whatever, but, like, without weed, I don't know what. I used to tell people, like, the only reason I can function is like if I have a va- like some if I hit a vape before I like go do something because I can't like in the early days when I was going through withdrawal because 
I just couldn't like, I was throwing up like 20 times a day. And that the only wow. thing that would make me stop projectile vomiting was smoking vapes of weed. So I don't know. I mean, like there's, I just felt like living proof, you know? And it was like, and it was weird because it was another thing that people had told me my whole life was like a drug and it was horrible for me. And I was going to, it was a gateway drug and I was going to get addicted and both my parents were addicts and I could never touch it. And it turns out it saved my fucking life. Like, and so many things were like that. That's so crazy. I know it's like now we're, it's weird. It's like, it's still a little bit taboo, but like it shouldn't be. And they have, (laughs) they have a prescription version that's like, I mean like that you can get it like, you know, like a CVS called Marinol, but it never did well as a drug. I was like, Googling it. Um, No, my dad was on it. Uh, My grandfather died of cancer. They gave him Marinol and I tried it at one point. Um, He asked Mm -hmm. me to like try it and, because he's like, I don't feel like this is doing anything. Like, can you try it and tell me if I'm like, does it do anything for you? And I tried it and I was like, it doesn't, this does nothing. Like, let me just, you know, get you stuff from home. Like, it's a, I'll make you some brownies next time. Like, this is, this shit is fucking, don't waste your money on this. This is crazy. Because it's like they've extracted everything from it that's actually beneficial. And they've given you these, like, this little micro dose of, like, the non-psychoactive parts. And as much as I love CBD, I mean, like, THC has benefits as well. That That's like, yeah, there's strains that are psychoactive, but, I mean, I think the benefits clearly outweigh, like, the risks of giggling for five minutes. Like, <laughs> for real, that's what we're all afraid of, is, like, being happy for 10 minutes. Like, for real, I don't get it. I'm totally that person that pre-pregnancy, like, I was always the giggler. Like, always, like, super. <laughs> like, and, like, in high school when I tried it, I remember I just to sit on the couch and giggle for, like, 30 minutes straight. My friends were like, what's wrong with her? And I'm like, just, <laughs> just happy like I'm just happy that's so what kind of okay so what are your favorite because I have to tell you I I smoke weed but like I think it is I have to tell you I smoke weed I sound so uncool right now I've been in like like the first day I'm off like Norco in like a week so I'm just crazy um Uh and I'm and I did you try smoking weed no I I am what did you try smoking weed for your pain? <laughs> no, I should, but like I think it is making me a little bit paranoid, and it could just be like the strain that I have. So I'm thinking of like changing over to CBD and like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So what are your favorite yeah. CBD products? Like specifically, like a lot of it. So I love the G Pen. G Pens are like I think on ease. They're only like I think I got mine for like fifty bucks or something, and then the the little cartridges that that they come with are like maybe fifteen to thirty bucks, depending on what they are. The CBD products are actually less money than the THC products, so the CBD cartridges should only be like fifteen to twenty bucks, and um, they're my favorites. There's one that's like lavender scented, and it tastes amazing, and it's like it works in like two seconds. Um, And I think vaping is, like, just the best way to do it just because it instantly works regardless of your metabolism. Um, But I also really love the teas. So I use Buddha teas, Mm -hmm. CBD teas. Um, I have the the turmeric and ginger one, which is great for pain, and there's a mint one, and there's, like, a matcha one if you want a little bit of caffeine, which is CBD. 
And, um, yeah, I don't drink caffeine, but I have it around for friends and stuff and everybody really likes it. So, um, those are my favorite ways to take it, but there's like tinctures. There's so many ways that I feel like you can't really discount it until you try all the ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because by the way, I'm know, on right now. I'm on ease and looking. Yeah. Oh, they have <laughs> ease too. You like to sponsor our podcast. You should sponsor this. Um, you should yeah. Sponsor. Well, yeah. we've mentioned them like 50 times, so definitely reach out to them and tell them this episode is sponsored by ease. <laughs> sponsored by ease unintentionally. Um, yeah. <laughs> cartridges are really cheap too. Yeah. Well, it got ever since it's been legal, it got really, really cheap. And that's the other thing. Like, I went to a city council meeting the other day because um, I'm part of the community planning board. And um, and our city councilwoman came and she gave a speech. And um, and she said in the beginning of the speech, she's like, okay, as a community, we have to keep doing three things. She's like, number one, we have to keep smoking weed. Uh-huh. And everybody kind of was like, and she's like 65. And everybody was like, did she just say what? And she's like, no, like, seriously, I know you're all laughing, but... We made in taxes in the last six months since it's been legal a billion dollars. So we need to keep smoking weed. (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's got a lot more benefits. I don't know why it's taken them this long to legalize it because they could have solved California's debt problems like 20 years ago. But, okay, I guess they didn't want billions of dollars. That's whatever. (laughs) Like, no big deal. Because it's so cheap now because it's like they're taking out all that. We talked about earlier, the shadiness, the sketchiness, like all the craziness of the fact that, you know, you'd have to like get it from so-and-so or so-and-so would, you know, mark it up and then give it to you. And it's like, guess what? We just took all that away and now you can get it yourself. So why? And it's fair competition. Once it's legal, it's like fair competition for everything, right? So everyone's like, they're not, yeah, once you take the shadiness away, it's not black market anymore. And then you see what the actual price is. Like you can get an ace for like $10. Like what world are we living in? What? Ace, when I first moved to California, an ace cost you 50 bucks. Like, I don't understand what happened. We grew a lot of weed, I guess. <laughs> but, all that means. So true. It's, it's yeah. crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And I think in a few years it'll be legal everywhere or people, I think, well, it's a very least, have more access to CBD. Yeah. And it was funny when I went home last time, like my grandma's 80 years old and she asked me probably 20 questions about weed, like how it's legal, how I use it, like what I think about it, what I think about the future of it, all this stuff. And like, I cannot tell you how much trouble I got in in high school because my friends smoked weed. Like I didn't even smoke weed in high school or really in college. And like, I was, I mean, I almost got like, freaking grounded for the rest of my life because like they found out one of my friends smoked weed like close to my backyard or something like it was crazy and it's so weird how it's like 15 years later and she's like so tell me about the weed <laughs> like when who are you what what is going on well I mean listen I in high school I was like I'm not gonna say I was a pothead but I was very close to one and like I that was like my escape and, you know, yeah. it was never a gateway drug for me. Like, everyone was like, oh, my God, you're going to do all this stuff. And it was like, no, I may have tried certain things, but it was never a gateway. And I never felt like because I did that, I had to advance the next level. It was something that made me 
personally feel good. It made me feel like I could escape for like a quick minute, like you said, like and laugh and just be like in a chill zone. My friends and okay. I, like that was some of our like favorite moments together, just hanging out like in my basement, like watching movies, laughing our asses off, stoned out of our minds. <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, and it's like, okay, what's the worst thing? Like, honestly, for me, the worst thing that ever happened was someone, you know, again, going back to what you were saying with the shadiness back in the day, someone yeah. got us like a laced batch and I, and I got like really sick and so did my friend and we were freaking out. One of us was tripping out and it was a whole thing. But that's again, because it wasn't the real thing. It was laced with other drugs. It was a weed. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you can end like knowing now that there's regulation can really end that whole reefer madness mentality of like, ooh, what's in it? Like, it says what's in it right on the thing. It, it'll tell you exactly how much THC is in it, exactly how much CBD is in it, where it was grown, what it's called. You can look up everything about the strain. Like, that doesn't, that totally is, it's so different from like, even in college where I was like, like when I say I didn't really smoke weed, it was because like I had, I heard so many stories of people who would, smoke weed for the first time and like there's freaking PCP in the pipe and then they're like oh you know they end up out of their mind in the hospital and you're like um yeah I'm not trying to be that so um so I was scared about it for a long time and, and that's why I think I really did embrace it when I moved out here because it was like regulated and there were stores and I had a card and a doctor said it uh, that I needed it and then I worked in the industry and I saw it helping so many other people and I was like whoa this thing is magical I mean people are walking in here telling me that four months ago before they started smoking this stuff they were having 15 seizures a day and now they have their life back like that's not you can't make that up <laughs> like I mean there's I've saw crazy beautiful things happen because of it and I was like wow this is this whole thing has been like a big lie weirdly enough a lot like the rest of what I've been told about health and wellness for my life so that's not surprising but still a little strange to comprehend totally no I I agree with you I mean it's it's so true. And obviously we could go on and on about like, we need to have you back just to talk about I, No, I know. I know. Is that what your next book is about? Like, are you dropping a hint that this is what the next book is about? Uh, uh, it'll, I'll definitely talk about cannabis and CBD in my next book for sure. So how is this book doing and how is the general response been? Um, we sold out before launch date. Wow. <laughs> so. Wow. It's doing, it's doing really, really, really well. And then we were back ordered for a while. So it's doing a lot better than we even expected, which we had pretty high expectations. So I'm excited about it. I just got back from part one of book tour. I had to actually come back. I was supposed to do an event in New York. I had to come back early to film something in LA, um, a secret project I hope to be able to talk about at some point. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm probably going to go back to New York and then I have some other um, places lined up. So if you have any place that if any listeners want me to come somewhere, they can drop me a line or drop you guys a line on social media and let me know because I'm still figuring out exactly where I'm going to go for part two. So New York though, for sure. And, um, it's just been awesome. I mean, it's been such a like beautiful whirlwind of just meeting people who are, on their way to becoming their best selves and they just want, you know, more tools to do it. It's people who, even when you feel stuck, like what we were talking about before, it's like, yeah, but if you've gotten to this point, like if you're 
doing this with your life, if you're listening to this podcast or you're on this podcast or, you know what I mean? Like you're propelling your life in the right direction. There's so many choices we can make and, and everyone who's listening to this is showing up for themselves right now. And so regardless of where you're at in life, you're on the right path and that's all that matters. Before you go, I have because we we have to run soon. I want to know what is one reason why someone should buy this book? Ooh, good question. Like, if someone is like Ooh. on the fence right now because they're they're they kind of I don't know they're just unsure. Like, what is the what is the powerful? What is one powerful reason why this book could change their life? Improving your habits changes your life, undoubtedly. And this book is a, a life hack to change your habits and improve your life. That's amazing. That's, that's the right answer. So where can everyone find you? We'll post those links in the show notes. Um, yeah, they can find me at Tara A. Mackey on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. They can find me at theorganiclifeblog.com. And they can find the book at wildhabitsbook.com. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for being yes, on. As always, we love so this book. Inspiring. Like you're just, we really, we're so proud of you. And like, we just think, you know, everything you're doing is amazing and how you're serving others. It's just incredible. So Aww, as we always say, so much. be, be fabulous, fabulous and wild. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Caught them both. How to chain Fonda. One, two, three, four. Get your booty on the dance floor, work it out, shake it little mama, let me see you do the change.